Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. There, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi everyone, I'm Kama, and you can find me at Kama Splice on Blue Sky. And today I'm joined by Devin. Hey, this is Devin, GD Harpo on Twitter. And Chicky. Hi, I am Chicky on Blue Sky Social. And uh, as always, if you're joining us for the first time, we spoil everything, books and show. Uh, I don't think we need trigger warnings unless, well, we'll talk about that. Uh, today is, is, we are- plotting, is plotting child murder a trigger warning? If so, then you may want to skip. <laughs> um, today we're going to be talking about Davos 5 from A Storm of Swords. Uh, this is a rather lengthy chapter, and Davos is doing a lot of things <laughs> in this chapter. Um, the first part, uh, we've got Stannis, Mel, Davos, Solis, and Sir Axel Florent, who is Solis's first cousin, learning about... Um, the Red Wedding uh, from Salador, who has shared that they threw Catelyn's naked body into the river and that Walder Frey saw fit to remove Rob's head from his corpse, take Grey Wind's head and sew it on and then crown it because that's the kind of guy Walder Frey is. I mean, goddamn George R. R. Martin forever putting that image in my head. I don't want it. So uh, Davos is appalled. I think Stannis is kind of not, if not appalled, he is disgusted. Um, Axel and Solis are of the opinion that this is the divine will of Rolor and retribution for Rob and his family ever trying to go against Stannis. Um. It's Solis and Axel are clearly getting on Stannis's last nerve. He's very annoyed by them. <laughs> um, he is much more focused, understandably, at the political ramifications. And he has a rather, I thought, intelligent idea. You know, he wants to offer pardons to any Northman who will go over to his side and bend the knee. Which I think is astute, even though you can tell it's killing him. Yeah, he does not want to do this. He has no interest in offering these pardons like on, on like a, a personal level, but he's doing it because he thinks it'll help him recruit people. Even the word pardon is difficult for him. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like he sees the need for political expediency, but this is not who he is, right? So um, No, and no then- he's, he's, grinding, he's grinding his teeth about it. And then Mel tells him, nope, that's not going to work because they're going to be more traitors and more false kings. And he's like, you can tell (laughs) he's so crushed. Um, That crushed isn't the right word, just exasperated. Well, because he thought that he was hitting a milestone. He's like, oh, we're knocking off these three kings. And she's like, man, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It's not making a difference. Doesn't matter. On to the next boss. Yeah. It's like he was promised there'd be cake. There's no cake. <laughs> you know, um, and 
Celise, I, I gotta say, I mean, I try to be sympathetic to a certain descent, extent, but she is just full bore religious fanatic here. Um, and she thinks what is wanting are dragons. And clearly the solution is to kill Edric Storm and as a sacrifice. And Mel and Axel, they think this is a great idea too. Well, I love how they're just sitting around going, hey, we're on Dragonstone. You know who conquered Westeros from Dragonstone? Aegon the Conqueror. <laughs> and he had dragons. So obviously dragons are the only answer. And this whole this whole chapter, this whole part of this chapter is wild. I mean, um, Stannis is like, he's not really excited about this idea, but he does admit that he likes the idea of the power of a dragon. And he shares an anecdote of when he and Robert were small and their father took them to court. And of course it was Ares's court with all the, the dragon skulls and stuff like that. And they, them being impressed by the king. And then it was only later that they learned that the man sitting on the throne was not Ares, but Tywin. Um, and I think he sees this idea of a dragon as like, you know, it's, it's, it's the nuclear bomb, right? It's what's going to get him the edge in his war. Yeah. And uh, well, and doesn't he mention something like the Blackwater would have been different with the dragon, or was that mm-hmm. Davos who had had that thought? Yeah. And he seems to be wavering. And then Davos, this is like you can. It, it's this is why I love Davos. Davos is like, oh my god, I've got to, I've got to stop this train. I've got to find a way to keep them from. Well, he's like, he's like the only one in the room going, yeah, we can't sacrifice an innocent kid to get a dragon. Like that's not the way we do this. And he's trying to get this across and they're like, it's just, it's really tricky. And he knows it's tricky. Um, And he, he mentions Kinslain and Solis, you know, of course, um, um, dismisses that because that's, that's like a concept, I guess, from uh, the seven. It's not R'hllor. She brings up like, the um, idea of the ceremony they had where they um, with the leeches and how, you know, there, this has resulted in two false Kings being um, killed. And then Davos <clears throat> pulls out his all shucks, humble act. And, you know, I was like, I'm a simple man, but even an onion smuggler knows two onions from three. You're short a King, my lady. And with that, Stannis is like, well, he's got you there. Um, for the moment, Edric is is a little bit safe. <laughs> a little bit. A little tiny bit. A little bit, yeah. And because the other piece of it is the recognition that she does have the power. So could she really do this? Bring raise dragons with this boy's blood. Yeah, because even Davos, who saw the shadow baby being born, knows she has crazy power that she can tap into. So it's like, you know, there, there's there's a belief from everyone in the room that she could possibly make dragons happen. But they've basically they they table the idea of killing Edric until they find out what's going on with Joffrey, because he's, of course, still very much alive at this moment. Um so Stannis orders people out and Davos stays behind and he starts, he, you know, 
he brings up that Shireen is very close with Edric, that she cares about him. Um, you know, that Edric asks about Stannis that, you know, and he's trying, I think, to humanize him. Um, well, he keeps saying his name to help humanize him. He keeps he's deliberately saying the name Edric and Edric Storm as much as he can. Yeah. And uh, but Stannis, he he keeps wavering and he's irritated by all this. And what he wants is he wants the advantage that's going to get him the crown. And he shares that he's seen things in the flames as well. Um, and he talks about seeing an image of a king with a burning crown that was destroying him, which I'm assuming is supposed to be Viserys. Yeah, it must be. And he 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 basically um, asks if Joffrey should die. You know, what is the life of one bastard boy against a kingdom? And Davos says everything, and that is, I mean, if you needed a reason to love Davos, I mean, right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, Davos is is the conscience in the room. Davos Davos is the one who who never really loses sight of of actual right and wrong, and that's why it's easy to love him. Yeah, throughout, um, it was one of my favorite memes when the show was on. Um, was there was the meme was there was a sign that said "Meeting of all the characters no one hates," and then you go inside and it's just Davos sitting there by himself. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny to me every time I would see it. I love that. Um, our second part, which I did not take extensive notes on, that's on me, um, is uh, Salador and Davos are talking. Um, and we learn from Salador has points out that he's heard that um, Davos has been cultivating some relationships with people on Dragonstone who maybe are not so faithful to R'hllor, would like to go back to worshiping the gods they used to worship and who are not enamored of um, Melisandre or what she's doing to Stannis. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting that he's sort of, you know, he's building up like um, alliances. Yeah, like a very quiet coalition of people who maybe aren't completely drinking the Kool-Aid on the R'hllor cult. Um, did you guys have anything else for that segment? I really did not take good notes. Well, I mean, like, again, Davos brings, I think it's because he's talking to Salador San, who kind of told him everything about, you know, the long night and, uh, the forging of Lightbringer. He thinks oh, about how right. Edric Storm is, you know, like is Stannis going to try to make Edric into his Nissa Nissa and stuff? And so it's kind of getting back to that old Lightbringer lore. Um, yeah, I remember that now. It's funny if you go to Google and I remember like you could start typing in who is the Lord of Light or who is Azora High or who is Nissa Nissa and they'll just like Google spits out like all these characters. Um, yeah. Well, and what's interesting is in a couple chapters, John is going to be trying to avoid killing Egret. So it's like clearly there's like an under, you know, there's a theme running through of I think as much as we would all like to hope that there's nothing to it. There's clearly going to be a, a Nissa Nissa redux at some point. <laughs> Um, and then I think it was at this point where I was like, really, there's more. Okay. Um, 
Davos goes to talk to Maester Pylos or Pylos. I'm not sure how you're supposed to say that. I don't think anyone knows. So. How how would we know? There's I I doubt George knows. He just writes oh, letters no. down. I think he Probably pronounces Fred. it Jim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, so he goes to him and he's he's chatting with him and he's sharing his, you know lack of confidence like he's not a nobleman he's not you know he doesn't have the background and the maester points out like there have been a lot of hands with all of the qualities he's talking about that were noble and he lists them all um noble and pious and learned and you know but he's like they were all terrible um and he offers uh davos i think a couple of examples of of hands who came from less august uh family backgrounds and he does, they have this discussion, and he also offers to teach Davos how to read. And um, Davos takes that up as a, you know, a good idea. Um, well, I like, there's kind of a little thread running through this chapter of, you know, just like what Davos's character is and like his defining traits. And this is another one of them, which is that Davos can can pivot, Davos can change, Davos can learn, Davos can adapt to different circumstances. And it's like, sure, he started life as like, you know, basically a, a dirt poor beggar. But now he is, you know, a hand to a king and he's a lord and he's got to learn how to read. And so he's going to do that. I mean, that's just kind of who Davos is. And I think this will for for the rest of the story that we'll never read be be you know an ongoing thing with with Davos that he's able to adapt to what the circumstances are that he's presented with. And that's what a survivor can do, you know. So absolutely. Uh Patchface, the creepy uh fool, makes an appearance. And for anyone who likes to decode what he likes to say, he does share the wisdom of under the sea, the old fish eat the young fish, and I don't even want to know what that means. Oh God! These the uh, like the amount of analysis that has gone into Patchface's prophecies or whatever, his little one-offs. Uh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need a new book. He's been. Uh, I love that he's been banned from the reading because time has skipped. I should point out, like, there Davos is learning how to read. He's learned some stuff, and he's going to his lesson. And evidently, Patchface makes so much noise with all his bells and whatnot that the maester is like, no, you cannot. It's too distracting. <laughs> Gotta get out of here. Um, so he arrives for, Davos arrives for his lesson. And uh, Shireen, Devin, and Edric are there. And they've been learning about King Darien I. And um, Edric, who I forgot that he knows who his father is. Um, oh, he definitely knows. Oh, does he? <laughs> because he's like, and he would. It makes sense because of he's he's his mother is is a lady. It's not like she was some tavern wench or whatever or some uh, prostitute. But um, he thinks his father was braver and the bigger deal. And you know, while they're talking, Davos is looking at his son, who he's very proud of because his son is you know his son is going to have all the things, you know. Um, they take off and, um, okay, but comma, we have to yeah. talk about how sad it was when Davos was looking at his, his younger son and remembering like his older son and how much yeah. is it Davin? This one, I can't remember which one this is. This is Devin. 
This is Devin. That's it. So Devin looks so much like Dale, who is, of course, now dead. One of the many sons that Davos has had to sacrifice on the altar of Stannis' quest for the throne. Yeah. And I mean, throughout the chapter, he talks, he thinks about going back to his wife and his two, because he's got little, little kids, too. He's got two younger ones. Who are, you know, I think Devin is supposed to be in the 10 to 12 age range, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Somewhere there, he talks about him growing his beard. (laughs) So probably closer to 12, I guess. But um, his, his peach fuzz beard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this 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 whole interaction of the three kids, I mean, it's it's interesting. It's, you know, you kind of wonder where it's all going. Um, obviously, the thing with Edric Storm is, you know, I think we all probably expect him to pop back up somewhere if there were a sixth or seventh book, um, especially looking so much like Robert and Renly. Yeah. You would think. And you know what's interesting? I was remembering Brienne actually knows this kid. Oh, that's right. I mean, she knows a lot of the players. This is a Jamie Brienne podcast. I'm going to work it in everywhere. Uh, So it turns out, like, so the maester's been giving him stuff to read, and he offers to give him, like, the book they're reading. And Davos doesn't want to do that because he thinks he's got to do the practical stuff. So um, the maester gives him a letter. It's a little bit older, but, you know, to work through. Um, And he does. And he basically, this is the letter Bowen Marsh sent asking help from any of the five kings and like, you know, the sort of everything is going to hell, Mormont, we think he's dead, you know, please send help. Okay, I gotta ask, do we really think Maester Pilos, Pilos, whatever, like unintentionally gave this to Davos oh, or no. was she like I wonder if this is something that should get a second look uh, no 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 I do, think this was let's, intentional let's work on this one very intentional I think so as well yeah because I think he I think he may be younger and inexperienced you know like Davos you know he's not Crescent but like I think he knows what's up and he knows who Davos is as a person which is why he gave him that pep talk about you know hey it's okay that you're not you know noble because they're not always great so yeah. i think this was, yeah. this was definitely a let's have to work on this one and it's a reason i've got just the letter we should use to teach you how to read um so Davos immediately understands that there's some issues at play and he asks if stannis has seen this letter and what the maester says is well the letter was given to alistair florence and that he and Solis decided that Stannis didn't have any resources to waste. Because, of course, they did. Yeah. And, um, you know, Davos has seen the wall. He remembers his experiences going there. And he asks again, well, has, has the king seen it? Has Melisandre even seen it? And he's told no. Um. And then I think it's interesting because he, this is where that bit about wondering about if Edric was going to be Nissa Nissa comes also like back into the chapter. Because I think he's like, okay, if he gives this letter to Stannis, is that going to mean the end of the kid? Um, Or should, you know, should this letter go to, you know, like, I think it's like, 
again, what is the life of one against? Yeah, well, he clearly recognizes that this is the great other at work that Mel has been talking about. He recognizes that this threat from the North is, is exactly what she's been talking about. And like, this is, this is the other thing that keeps kind of popping up in this chapter is as much as, you know, most of the sane people think that Melisandre is a crazy fanatic. They know there's like an underpinning of truth and power to everything to do with her. And the chapter ends with him asking for a different letter to work on. So for now, you know, he's not going to do anything with it, but we will He's think. like, let's table this for just a moment. So did we have any mail? Yes, we do. We have a few pieces of mail um, for this chapter. Um, our first piece of mail from Savic Gmail. Okay. Lots of seen it in the flames prophecy lines getting casually dropped in this chapter and lots of foreshadowing. I guess you will talk. I guess you will talk about those two things anyway. But in case you don't, Stannis says Melisandre told him, among many things, about some hero reborn in the sea. Somehow it reminded me of that line in Jamie's Weirwood Dream where he thinks something like, beware the water, there may be creatures living in it, hidden deep. So is all the foreshadowing for some serious shit that is going to happen with Euron and his magical horn and whatever other magical tools he has gotten his hands on. What do you think of all the threat coming from the water foreshadowing is about? Yeah, well, and we didn't we didn't mention it, but Salador San and his talk with Davos talked about um, Lord Estermont's horn that would wake. Is it called a Kraken from the deep? I can't remember something. I don't know. So, yes, there's a lot. There's a lot in this chapter to do with something happening from the deep or below. Man, I believe it all does point to your own. I'd rather not, but sure. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) If we pretend it isn't happening, maybe it won't happen. As far Uh, as list of characters, I don't care about. Euron is at the top. No kidding. I'm I'm not looking forward to those uh, <laughs> crazy J- Greyjoy chapters uh, coming out. Yeah, next book. skip me with your Eurons and your Victorians, please. Yeah, thank give you. Give me Asha and nobody else. Yeah. Um. So, still from Savic, um, I know in the end it's just a lot of speculating and fantasizing. If Chicky is on the podcast, she would probably say, "God only knows," or "George only knows." <laughs> <laughs> Who is the king with the crown of fire that Stannis has seen in them flames? Himself, Tommen, Joffrey? I feel kind of stupid for asking because Stannis says something like, do you think I need Melisandre to tell me what that means? So I guess it's supposed to be obvious and I'm the only one who doesn't get it. Oh, I think like Kama said, it's probably Viserys. Probably. I mean, who knows? I feel like all of these prophecies, like, I mean, it's it's some of the stuff Danny sees is not necessarily directly relevant to her, right? I mean, like in her visions of the house of the undying or it's a lot of times the visions are, I mean, we know they're relevant because we understand the tapestry and where these characters, or we think we know where these characters fit in, but it's not always just stuff that's directly pertinent to the character having the vision or the dream. Yeah, well, it's like how Danny sees the man with the wolf's head, which is clearly eventually going to be Rob, as we just learned. 
you know, uh, that really, I don't think will ever affect her specifically, but it's something that she sees. It's for the reader, I guess. I think it also illustrates the problem with these prophecies is because you want to make them relevant to you, right? You're having this. You don't want to be thinking, okay, it's about some random person I've never seen and, you know, I never will meet. <laughs> You're like, I'm having this vision. It better be about me. And it's like, that's the problem. All right. Our uh, next piece of mail from Buck O'Hare on Discord. Um, this question was worded oddly, but I think what what he um, what they're saying is, who would your ideal small council members be? For who? For whom? For which of our many um, um, monarchs? It seems like for ourselves. Oh. <laughs> like just in oh, general. <laughs> well, Davos could be on there, as we said. Uh, yes, Absolutely. Davos. Um, give me Sam, Samwell, Mr. Tarly. After a, after some time at the Citadel, I would love a Sam. Maybe maybe the Blackfish. Yeah, he'd be good. I think oh, he'd be good. Because it's not just the individuals; it's also you got to think about like what are they bringing to the table and who can complement each other. Yeah, you're you're assembling a team. Yes, um, I would like a Varus. Because you know. I would believe that I am loyal to the realm and he is also loyal <laughs> to the realm. So maybe, just maybe, hopefully, we are in lockstep with one another. You're on, um, you're on the same team? Yeah, we're on the same team because he, I mean, he would be incredibly valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to think that if this is my small council, I am competent and he would respect that. I mean, that may not be true. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I don't know that he respects Kevin, anybody, but Kevin yeah. He was pretty competent. <laughs> yeah. It just okay. did not align with what uh Bear. No. Well, this is true. But his competency was the problem, actually. <laughs> yeah. That's yep, that's literally why he had to go. <laughs> so maybe not Bears for me at least. I don't know. I wonder about somebody. God, this is where my age is starting to play tricks with me. Um, I gotta Google. Um, I know, I know, someone's gonna want us to say Tyrion, but I wouldn't want to have to talk no, to him every day. No, so I couldn't. No. Not with it, the misogyny. No. I just could not. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Mander, uh, Manderly. Oh, Wyman Manderly. Maybe. Maybe he might be interesting. He might be. I mean, all the characters I really like, hell no. I mean, there's no way I wouldn't want them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All my favorite characters. No, thank you. Davos, Davos is really the only no brainer here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> our last piece of mail um, from Cardinal Girl 75 on Discord. How much of Solis and Axel's desire for Edric's death do you think stems from the circumstances of his birth and not from his potential importance to hatch dragons? I wanted to shake Solis when she insisted that if Edric were dead, her womb would magically be able to bear Stannis dozens of legitimate sons. Shake her and yell, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Yeah, well, we all agree with you there. <laughs> 
I think. I think it's very much for her. I, I don't think for Axel, I think it's another, I don't know. He's just more about the power, I think. But um, I think for her, it's very much who Edric is. That's a, a big piece of this. Like if Mel had, you know, maybe the show was, I hope the show is not right with the whole sacrificing Shireen thing. But like if Mel had, had said, okay, we're going to kill your daughter, would she be that enthused? I don't think so. Yeah. At least not at this point where she's like, here's the bastard kid, you know, that's a reminder of, of the sort of wreck that was your wedding. I think that's. Yeah, no, she's, she's absolutely primed to be like pro killing this kid. Like, you know, she's, she's already ready to go before she even hears that there's an upside to it. But yeah, I don't even think that part mattered to her. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe not. Well, any parting thoughts or are we good? I think, I mean, this was a long chapter, a good chapter, but no, I have no more thoughts left. Well, if you would like to share your thoughts with us or send us a message, you can do so at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. You can also email us at close the door and at gmail.com. And I'm pr- well, I think we're still at Twitter. Uh, we should clarify that. <laughs> it's our podcast. We are. We are the last I checked. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I'm checking right now. And yes. <laughs> and I think Guy does uh, staff that. Um, please like and review us wherever you listen, as it really helps new listeners find the podcast. And lastly, um, consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, you can do that at uh by going to patreon.com slash close the door uh thank you to all of our current patreons uh they help us keep the podcast running and with that i'm closing the door get out